Welcome to Club Management. I'm your host, Shannon Dawson. And on this show, we chat with artists, musicians, and industry professionals on how they're changing their community through music. Subscribe here on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or literally everywhere you get your podcasts. This is episode 29. Um, And I want to give a major league shout out to everyone that DM'd, called, and sent love about last month's (laughs) episode with Ray Barney. It was just a history lesson packed into one episode. Um, You know, what I honor so much about uh, speaking with him is literally he crafted an incredible time in house music. There's no question about that. Um, And Ray Barney acted as that metaphorical glue that stuck all of those legends together and made the label what it was. So I am just so honored that I had a chance to talk to him um, and excited that I had a chance to tell that story to you. You know, lately I've just been trying to stay in the present. Obviously, we're in the middle of this like crazy election season, waiting the results. Um, so I took a month off just to kind of process where I was with myself spiritually, mentally, um and i'm really um yeah i apologize for not giving you guys more content over the last couple of months but i really just needed to sit back process where i was going with my life not only the show but just like do some real inner work with myself um so i've been a little bit low-key but thank you so much for listening to that episode we're at almost 275 plays crazy 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 stuff uh but yeah we've got a great episode for you today after a month hiatus so without further ado today i wanted to share a really beautiful chat i had with a producer called Drank out of Leipzig, Germany. Um, He's been making these really delectable beats skewed somewhere between hip hop breaks and bass. It's crazy to think that just last year I had the pleasure of opening up for Drank during his stop at Nuts Live House in Chongqing uh, for his China tour. And what's super cool about this guy is that he makes his own music literally from scratch. Drank creates his own electronics and he builds his own live modular systems and synths to incorporate during his live sets, which I thought was so cool to watch him actually, you know, create kick drums on the spot and do all these really cool things. It's like watching someone man a spaceship or an aircraft. Drank has been churning out a number of singles throughout the years, like his track Dance Floor Politics off Samsara Beats' Oscillation compilation last year, a track that jolts with its halftime bass and clanky hi-hats. Definitely last year's EP, Serpentine, that drew me into the producer's world of sound. My favorite track is Tunnel Vision. This year has been absolutely difficult for producers and artists all around the world. And with the pandemic still placing a halt on live performances, I thought I'd check in with him to catch up almost a year later to see what's happening musically and the release of his new EP, Juniper, off Saturate Records. 
yeah, I was just reading the, the tweet that I had sent you and it was like, oh, it's yeah. crazy that it's been almost a year since we saw each other in China. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I mean, in two months or one month is basically a year. Yeah, it's yeah. 11 months, I think, December, early December, like late November. But yeah, it's it great time travels fast and slow at the same time at the moment. It's super weird. Like, I, I always realize it's fall now. Um, uh, Mindset-wise, I'm still in spring. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> on the other hand, it feels like if you're waiting for something, if you've got something planned or whatever, deadlines, it's it's going to take forever. Yeah, that's <laughs> very crazy. true. Is yeah. it cold where you're, where you're at now? It's getting colder now. I mean, the summers are getting really hot. Mm. Um, it's continental weather, which means, like, it's more the weather and the climate coming from russia mm. over oh, wow. and like eastern europe um and i grew up in bremen which is on the north coast uh in germany mm -hmm. and that was the english weather so you had like a lot of rain in summer it was always like 20 something degrees in summer and raining yeah and uh, here it doesn't rain it, it seriously it doesn't rain and it's getting so hot we had like over 40 degrees last year what? which is not normal for germany i mean that's climate change that's uh, climate change it's best. yeah it's crazy <laughs> you can really you really feel it um um, I'm interested to hear about how the pandemic obviously is going for you guys over in Germany, because as you can see in the U.S., it's a total shit show at the moment. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> how are you feeling? Are you good? Um, Germany is surprisingly chill or like, well, talking Leipzig, it's surprisingly chill um, for some reason. Saxony, um, which is Eastern German um, state um isn't hit too bad it's actually like in the german wide ranking is one of the best situations um infection rate wise and leipzig only like in the beginning in march it had like a few hundred cases it's, it's actually you don't really have it doesn't feel as threatening as it seems in the u.s um people are generally kind of following the rules obviously everybody's half-assing it because that's human nature but um, it's it doesn't it's it's still Germany so people put on their masks and shit like at least most of them um, which is kind of like at least it doesn't feel as frustrating um, but yeah I guess as musicians or like creative folk in general it's easy to isolate yourself um it, it doesn't like yeah sorry yeah i was gonna say this time although it's been quite odd i've found for myself and for a lot of producers and artists that i've been speaking to that this has yeah. been an incredible time to just produce get locked in the studio mm -hmm. and just dedicate your time to creating um so i i feel that would probably be the same for you right like having that extra time to just sit down and create yeah yeah um I decided like right in the beginning because I had this opportunity to set up this new studio um, to use the time to do groundwork and actually like rebuild my studio first and really get my workflow um, in shape and make it as easy as possible to um, get ideas down and actually mix and produce everything. Right. Um, so that's been my main focus. I uh, would love to uh, have done more writing, but um, now... I can finally go back to it and uh, I got a lot of like ideas stored in the back of my head. So it's an actually pretty good, um, pretty good place to be. And I didn't have the pressure of um, preparing for shows and I kind of like took a break, a constructive break to put it that way, um, which f does feel really good. Obviously it's uh, also weird to kind of feel disconnected from everything that grounds uh, the, this 
music thing in reality, which is like sharing it actively, interacting with people and having this communal aspect. Because um, as much as the online part of it um, takes a lot of time um, and is quite important, in the end, it makes, for me, makes things feel a bit um, abstract in some way um, that you don't have any shows. I didn't really participate in that many live streams and, and all that. Yeah. I was going to um, say, what's the, what's the climate like in the music industry or I guess the music community rather in Germany at the moment are. Yeah. Are, everybody's going crazy with live streams. There's uh, a lot going on. Um, there's really interesting creative stuff going on. Um, I do have really good internet connection in my studio, but I don't have it at home, which kind of like kept me out of the loop. So I don't really see what people are doing when I'm in the studio. I'm working, obviously, so I don't watch stuff online. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did like one stream with a couple of friends from England. Um, but that's basically it, because I think the club situation and the direct communication is as important as the music and the live stream thing. I mean, sure, it kind of keeps you relevant, I guess. That's why a lot of people feel they want to do it, I guess. But um, for me, it's 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 weird. I mean, I can do it. It's fine. Um, if people ask me, I'm up for it. But I, I don't feel the drive to do it as much. Like, I'd rather spend time in the studio and use... That, that's so interesting yeah. that you said that because I also feel the same way. I think in the beginning of the pandemic, I was trying to figure out ways to, you know, maintain some sort of relevancy, relevancy right. but also maintain some connection with fans online. Uh, but, mm -hmm. like, right now, for example, I've hit, like, a huge, like, just halt with all of that. And I'm just kind of taking time really to just sit back and enjoy life, so to speak, you know? Like, yeah, there's yeah. a lot happening, not only, you know, obviously with the pandemic around the world, but also political stuff that I'm just, I'm mm -hmm. so overwhelmed at the moment that I just oh, need yeah, yeah. some time to just relax and think about myself and my family, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. This could, like, it, I guess it depends on how you kind of place yourself in this mindset-wise. Because I think a lot of people are really overwhelmed at the moment, including myself. You tend to be, um, I mean, looking what's going on in the world online. It's definitely, it's right away you, you could drop in this crazy chaos. Um, still, though, I noticed a lot of people seeming much more relaxed uh, during the pandemic um, now because... At least in Germany, like a lot of pressure is taken off once you kind of found your setup of maintaining your life, um, which luckily in Germany for freelance artists and musicians, you do get like just the social support um, without having to uh, actively look for a job and all that stuff. That's usually um, part of the deal because you obviously have a job. You could just can't work, um, which makes things pretty easy. I don't have to worry about my uh my living like having food having like a place to sleep and, and all that stuff which makes it pretty uh, easy to to take the time to also calm down a bit because you don't have to grind all the time uh, which is a privilege a big privilege i guess because uh yeah if you look at the u.s i mean what i what i hear online from you and other friends in the u.s it, it seems nothing like that it seems like yeah <laughs> I was going to say completely different in contrast. Like we are, you know, having to find multiple different ways to uh, really supplement that income that we would have gotten from touring or doing live shows 
Um, and the, I mean, the live streams are great, but they don't necessarily pay that well. And then, you know, if you don't have a job outside of music, that there's another added layer of complications from that too. So it's totally yeah. different, totally different. Um, but I'm so happy to see that you've been productive and really have been grinding out some really great music over the lockdown uh, pandemic period. Um, and I, I want to just jump back to last year, meeting you at Nuts Live House in Chongqing. We had a really good hot pot, spicy dinner before the show. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> um, good enough, the hot pot. Yeah, and had a great, just just wonderful watching you do your thing. And I think one of the most amazing things about you is that you actually make your own gear. Like you have your own, you make your own modular, um, you know, your own modular live set, which I think is so cool. Um, can you tell folks a little bit about that and the process behind making your own gear? Yeah, um, I mean, the, the general idea for me of DIY um, always came from this point of um, wanting to do certain things and not having the budget or the means to do it and then finding like a way around it. And the thing with gear is, I mean, I've always been like, since I'm a kid, been interested in like the technical part of things and um it was kind of always in the back of my mind at some point I, I thought okay why not try to build stuff myself and like started doing like really simple things um found resources online kind of but not really going in depth not really laying the groundwork and then uh, my friend jcc who's who's organized the tour and is running the label i released the 12 inch with that was part like which was came out in correlation with the tour and um, who got me in, uh, in touch with Shen and the people from Beijing. Um, she asked me like, okay, you work with a lot of hardware in your studio when producing these tracks. Is there any way you can incorporate this in your performance um, when playing the tour? Because people might be interested in seeing that. And I didn't really think about that beforehand, um, that this might be something that people kind of connect to. Um, and for some reason, I kind of bluffed and said, yeah, 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 I'm building this stuff. I can... Um, I'm just going to try and make uh, all the stuff I play with from scratch. And she, she basically, because she's Chinese and pretty straightforward, she said, all right, cool, um, let's do this. And then this was kind of like a done deal. And uh, over the next year till like between saying this and actually playing the tour, uh, I uh, found out that this was like uh, a really big commitment to Phil. Um, so I kind of had to learn electronics uh, for real because uh, one for once I said I'm gonna do it and the other thing is uh, once I set that goal I was really interested in figuring this out and um, it took a lot of time but I actually managed to build it and learned a lot along the way and the uh, best part about it is that I found out that uh, it's actually not as hard and intimidating to do it because all the resources are basically online you can find everything and don't really I mean sure you have to make up your mind what do you want to do and combine things and all that but pretty much everyone who knows how to um, get information for, out of forums, for instance, which can be a bit of a headache sometimes, uh, can basically get this information and do it. And for me, this is a really important um, realization um, that the internet basically has it all. <laughs> yeah, when the one thing that I really thought was super cool about the modular system is that you can like program all of these different kicks in it and like it almost kind of acts it, it almost kind of like acted as an NPC or 
um, yeah. like a synth at really, times, you know? Really primitive version of it, um, full disclosure. I mean, what I actually brought with me was like the most bare bones you can do is drums, kick, snare, hi-hat, uh, one sampler and, and basically like a 303 type acid voice and that's it. Um, which forces you to make really simple music because, I mean, it sounded nothing like what I do in the studio, uh, which was something I had to kind of accept at some point and embrace and uh, say, okay, I'm going to do this like really minimal acid electro type thing um, instead of like having all the bells and whistles and like the crazy sound design and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, once you decide to do something really simple, it's just about flowing and, and getting on that, getting that, catching that wave basically and hopefully maintaining it for an hour and not, not being boring is the... <laughs> thing that you gotta achieve yeah. yeah that's very true it's always about taking time and just letting the process flow uh which is something that i've just been again learning to do especially during this time period um but it seems like last year was super big for you i mean you had all these incredible releases and then obviously uh serpentine came out and for me tunnel vision was one of my favorite tracks off of that project oh, um you know it's it just had i don't know this the whole album really had like a very like break beat, just, I don't know, just a real break beaty vibe. Almost reminded me a little bit of like a craft work track, you know? Yeah, it was pretty 90s sounding thing in the end. Um, I mean, I made this EP um, two years earlier, actually. Um, it was like when it came out, it was two years old. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit weird because I personally was like an entirely different place at that time musically. Um, and then it came out and it kind of became relevant again for me, which was pretty good because in between, obviously you move on and start new things. And then that's the interesting bit. And you don't really, you know, think too much about the thing that you just did. And two years later, it felt kind of felt like listening to music I haven't heard before, which was pretty cool because, um, it takes a lot of the, um, questions away that you always have with work you did. Um, but it was different as well. So it was, I think, it, in the end, it, it made sense to play this entirely improvised modular life thing on the tour with music that's pretty much older than my new stuff and just kind of felt like more like a mashup of what, what things that you can do. And it made sense. It would have been weirder if it was like music that I just finished and then not play anything on of it on tour. Um, that would have felt a bit... Um, confusing i guess but because it was it was not recent uh music that um i put out then um it kind of like yeah it, it made more sense and it felt more like uh recapping in in some way um which was pretty good um, um and then i saw that like maybe at the height it kind of felt like maybe it was like i'm not sure if it was back in february but um when did the future is dark drop because that was like what a couple of months yeah beginning of let me let me think uh, I I don't remember. I can actually check. Wait one one second. I, I can I can let you know. Um, yeah, I mean that was I had the tracks and those were like the first um, tracks that I um, basically made and decided to release. Uh, that full on went into that G funk kind of West Co West Coast vibe. I yeah I had these sounds and like a few bits and bops like this in the. Um, Dissonance release that the first EP I, I did with uh, Saturate. Um, but it was like, that was more like the halftime kind of 
hard kind of yeah weird beat sound and less like the melodic funk thing um and uh okay internet is pretty slow <laughs> because of because of streaming um but um yeah that was the first and uh it was a bit weird because i, I sent this to thomas from uh, saturate and he said yeah cool um really like the tracks and then we didn't really talk about it and for some reason i remembered that he wasn't too interested and went uh to uh shadow tricks and and send this over and they said yeah this is uh, exactly what we're looking for we're going to do this um and then right when i i decided it says like on my soundcloud it says about eight months ago so yeah in the beginning of this year uh this came out and um yeah and afterwards it turned out he was really interested in it and he actually sent me like screenshots of a conversation and be like dude what 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 <laughs> Where does that come from that I'm not interested in this? <laughs> and then I kind of like promised him that I'll always ask him t two or three times. And when he says, yeah, I'm into it, I'm not gonna, I'm definitely gonna know. So to make sure um, I'm not gonna <laughs> not give him a first go. He, he's kind of, he's got dibs on my beats. Um, <laughs> so yeah, um, still uh, happy that it came out with uh, Shadow Tricks. Really cool label. Um, really appreciate the work that they do. And uh they also like did release a lot of like music that inspired this um, record in the past, so it, it really makes sense. And I really do appreciate their label as well. Definitely, I was going to say it's very, it's very much influenced by that G-Funk sound, and uh, I really love it. Um, and I also, I mean, I, I see that, like, you know, are you, I see that that, like, an artistic side also kind of extends into the way that you do your music videos. I was watching the music video you did for Demons, and I was like, oh, this is so cool, you know? Do you do all of that yourself? No, this is, um, yeah, it's also part of this necessity because I always, I mean, music video is such an interesting, um, interesting art form and an interesting part of actually releasing music, I think. Um, so, yeah, because I didn't have people that said, yeah, we're going to do this for you, I kind of had to uh, learn that stuff and uh, start doing it um, from the aesthetic side I kind of like before I went to, to do music full-time and, and really putting all my energy in this like I grew up and I'm always considering myself to be a painter at some point um, spent a lot of time doing um, pretty realistic painting and being really ambitious about the technical side and stuff like that um, kind of lost interest in this actually um for the fact that it's pretty um solitary thing to do <laughs> you can't really don't really work with other people when you're a painter you do your own work and then talk about it with other people but you can't really share it in the way you do with music so uh, the interest shifted um but from that i always um yeah had an eye on on, on how you 
do composition and visual stuff, how you how you set your and in the video how you set your camera, how you how you grade the colors and get like a like a continuous look going and, and stuff like that. The the music video for 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 listeners just to paint a picture, it does have that real like um it's almost got this like visceral like fantasy element to it with like the smoke and then obviously you've got those really gorgeous shots of the pineapple and the drink that comes in <laughs> like it's very very well done and that's cool that you did everything on your own you know i um you know this is one thing that i talk to with artists about on the show is just really being enamored by the fact that in this i mean in the last couple of years artists can really do everything on on their own right if they have the willing you know the willingness to learn and put in the work the internet really changed everything um like i said in terms of resources of course information but also yeah like it's so easy to get the tools that you need like everything is super cheap um if you if you actually look for what you need you can always find a way that doesn't um exclude like that that you can you can kind of achieve like the things you want to do obviously with my video um actually right now i'm totally um uh, in the in the moment of upgrading my video setup actually um because I like uh, the outcome of the videos, but there's obviously a lot of things that you could do better and you can like the aesthetic can be pushed even more and stuff like that. And um, I just found out, for instance, right now that you can actually film in 2.5K raw uh, with a camera camera that I just bought for 130 euros, which is a joke. And it's actually, yeah, it's actually like a cinema camera. If you hack it, you can put like Magic Lantern. It's like this um, open source firmware for Canon cameras for certain models. And uh, I found this on YouTube and I was like, wow, crazy. This is ex- exactly the kind of um, source material I need for my videos to actually achieve the look that I want to have right from the get-go instead of like having to work on the post-production for like a week just to achieve the look. Um, and it's crazy. You don't need big bucks to actually shoot really high-quality videos. Um, obviously, if you drop like 12,000 euros on the camera, it's going to be even better. But um you can do it, and that's that's. I think this is key. These informations need to be more accessible to people because it's just gonna up everybody's game. And uh, yeah, I'm really glad that um, this is actually the good things about <laughs> this time. Um, that it's really, really easy to to do the things you want to do in art. Um, yeah. Um. So uh, a couple days ago, you just dropped another EP called Juniper. Am I pronouncing yeah, that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the coniferous tree. Uh, it's the one that you make gin out of. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> but yeah, this is off of Saturate Records um, and yeah. also really yes. incredible stuff. I like the self-entitled track and I really, really like We Need to Talk. There's something about it that just like, yeah, just sets the tone for the whole whole EP. So I'm really, really enjoying it. What's the inspiration behind this one? Um, I think like going into this, I think it's basically embracing the whole melodic thing and not um, trying to uh, fit the profile of this whole like distorted halftime aesthetic, but being like, okay, fuck it. Um, I really like writing catchy stuff and basically um, doing like a uh, uh, punk version of pop music. <laughs> um, 
without the aesthetic of both. Um, just as an approach and yeah, started writing these tracks and collected them up in um, basically this uh, saved folder with uh, Thomas from Saturate. And uh, we had more tracks. One came out as like a single um, parallel to the EP release. Uh, in my opinion, it just didn't fit the four tracks that uh, made up the EP, worked really well together. And I guess like another track that doesn't fit as well um, would have just basically not made it any better. So we settled for four out of six or seven tracks that we had. And um, the whole vibe kind of fit. And after that, basically, I came up with the names and made it one thing. And we talked aesthetics a lot because um, right from the get-go, I, I, I wanted to, to get this visual um, corporate identity basically going for the release um, with a video and like the artwork. And uh, yeah, it came together really well in the end, I think. I'm really happy with um, the, the remixes as well. I mean, having the, the these folks on there is uh, crazy to me because the, the like, these are the people I'm influenced by musically. Like um, Boats, for instance, is for me, he's my funk hero. <laughs> he's been kind of out of the loop for a bit um, because he's busy basically. Um, and now because of the pandemic, uh, he, he has the time to go back to making beats and it's cre really crazy to have them on this, um, doing his take after like years of not doing any music. Um, and also with Title, um, who, who released an EP on Saturate earlier this year, which exactly fits my idea of good melodic beats, not cheesy, but super like with a lot of feeling and just like really kind of like romantic music in a way. Um, but not, not being cheesy and not being like the thing you expect it to be. Um, so he, he was a really good addition and Mana, she doesn't uh, release too much for, uh, yeah, I think she should release more, but having her on there was also really important for me because I think melodic, like melody wise and feeling wise, the music that she does and the works and progress, progress beats I get from her uh, really match my aesthetic. So it was like a really a no brainer to ask her to, to, to join us on there. Um, so yeah, I'm really, really glad uh, with, with that and how the label, um, supported the release and, and made made everything um, happen the way it did and also pushed me to finish up the things in, in this like consistent manner. Um, it was really nice. So yeah, I feel in good company. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, and you can hear that. It definitely has a lot of color um, and it's just it's incredible. It's nice to listen to. Um, have you been participating in any of like the band camp days? What's been your take on that? Um, you know, for the... Um, for, uh, again, for the listeners who are not sure what Bandcamp Day is, um, Bandcamp has obviously dedicated a day once a month to artists where they've waived the revenue share and, you know, artists are then able to make uh, a good amount of cash depending on how many people buy their music. Um, have you been participating in any of those days or... I, I haven't actively because I don't have too much music on my Bandcamp because the... I only have one remix that I did for my friends from Russia um, on there. And that's it because all the other music came out through labels who run their own Bandcamp um, operation with uh, more reach, obviously, and it supports the label as well and, and future releases. So uh, my music was part of it, basically through the Saturate Bandcamp, for instance, which is like the main um, outlet for music for the label. 
the most, I guess, the most active platforms, uh, platform where people get the music uh, they release. Uh, but I myself didn't do it. I considered doing like a sample pack and putting it on Bandcamp for this. But um, because uh, I've been setting up the new studio, I haven't had the time yet. But it would be interesting to have like, I don't know, 30 drum sounds people can download from Bandcamp for pay what you want. This is something that I, I might do in the future. You should yeah. actually. That would be great. I would download it. What I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not necessarily a producer, but I really love when artists release drum packs because then that gives me the freedom to like layer sounds when I'm DJing, yeah. which I yeah. think is really cool. I've been experimenting with that a lot. Yeah, loops would, would be really cool for this. Just minimal loops that leave space for um, kind of like a DJ tools. Like if, if like people do for turntablism, like with uh, scratch samples and all that. That's a good idea, actually. Yeah, I was I was more thinking of one shots. Um, I got this folder um, where I put sounds into that I make, and then kind of make my own sample packs that I can use in my tracks because I don't I hardly use sample packs from other people. Um, not because I I have anything against it, but it's just um, more my workflow to make the sounds um, with my gear and in my studio. That's like the most fun part. Um, I, I do a lot of uh, drum sounds on my old Moog synth from the 70s. Um, so yeah, I was just thinking of collecting some of them that which I think people might be interested in and compiling it and putting it up. But yeah, loops is a good idea because this way you can also put your own groove in there, not just um, the sound aesthetic. Exactly. Or like even playing around with like vocal acapellas and stuff uh, with a nice drum loop is cool too. Um but yeah, yeah, I love doing that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I want to reminisce a little bit because I think the China tour was really fun. I mean, I my my yeah. listeners know I lived in China for like five years until I was forcefully uh, <laughs> forced to move back to New York. Um, but I want to talk about how the rest of tour was for you um, because it was fun. I, I loved, I enjoyed uh, opening up for you. It was great, yeah. Yeah, I think after you left Chongqing, what, did you go to Xi'an or? Uh, no, no, that was before. I went to um, to Shanghai afterwards. Um, that's why I had to leave the venue so early, which was a shame. I mean, I would lo- would have loved to stick around. Um, but well, I had to crash for a few hours and then catch an early car to the, um, the airport and uh, f- flown th- straight to Shanghai, so crashed in the plane for a bit. Um and then uh, met up, or I had to wait for a few hours at the airport for Shen and Radiax and uh, and Hot Wheel Negative 808, um, who came in by train from uh, Beijing. And then we basically went uh, to the hotel, my uh, my hotel, the venue. Um, it was really good. Um, played at All Club, uh, which was an amazing venue, really solid club. Uh, the police did come in and shut everything down in between. Everybody was really confused because they normally don't do it. Um, but afterwards, uh, the, the owner just said, ah, oh, fuck it, let's, let's uh, keep on. And it was no issue. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was really good. Um, but I was really tired. Like after the show, I kind of like felt really drunk um, with, whilst being sober because I was so tired. I kind of almost walked in front of cars and people kind of like pulled me back because I was almost falling asleep whilst walking. Um, but it was great. And yeah, the two shows before that was um, Beijing and Xi'an, like the weekend before. Um, and I did uh, two workshops uh, in each city uh, talking about the live rig and basically, yeah, uh, making hardware and stuff like that. 
Really enjoyed Xi'an. I mean, crazy city. Um, really nice club um, that you know, obviously. Like the uh, jar is uh, just. It's a really solid operation. I think that um, mm-hmm. they got going on there, like the boring room people. Um, They're so nice. I really love it. This like definitely um, and uh, RVE and Darfi and. Um, uh, oh my god, I forgot. Uh, oh, Ganon. Like, they're just so yeah. incredible. Like, they make you feel yeah, like you're you're a part of the family, you know? <laughs> 100%. And, they, like, this is really, especially in hip-hop, is always, like, a term that really bugs me, but they're, like, really true people. Yes! I don't like this, like, realness thing in hip-hop that much because, I mean, I obviously don't deliver that, but right. um, they really, without being, like, the cliche thing like the u.s thing they they got their really own diy thing going on you can really can see that they they don't they they don't sustain from hype but from being like really good connected group of friends that really love what they do and they do their thing and you can really tell even in being that for two days like i was um it's really easy to see that they got like a really solid uh, thing going on yeah did you like Chongqing too what did you think of the city crazy like people hyped it up beforehand quite a lot in terms of being like this really weird layout and crazy big uh future city which it obviously is i mean once you fly in you you can you you grasp the scale of it i read online before that it's bigger than austria like the country <laughs> which is crazy there's actually like trains running through buildings like several stories up in the air it's like futurama kind of type thing um but surprisingly and that's basically i mean when i answered to your tweet about new york being hectic in comparison to, to Chongqing, and i, I was like ah oh, that's funny because it's three times the amount of people it feels spaced out it's like always all these like trees and obviously kind of like gaps in between because it's built on mountains um so you don't really get the feel when you're like on the street you don't see the size of the city um it's it wasn't too many people where i was uh, it felt really relaxed. Same with Shanghai. Like Chinese cities in general don't feel like very hectic to me. Um, it feels really relaxed and it looks really beautiful. It's not like it's not like this dystopian kind of like 30 million people kind of hell that you think of when you hear about it. Um, it's really, really nice. In comparison, like what is Germany like in comparison? Because I mean, I've only been once <laughs> and I it's just... A- I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I really didn't like Berlin when I visited. There was something <laughs> weird about it. <laughs> um, Germany compared is like this tiny medieval village. Um, I mean, obviously, Europe doesn't have this sort of like skyline scenario. Biggest city in Germany is Berlin with three and a half million people, which is a joke. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's one tenth of the population of uh, Chongqing, actually, um, <laughs> which uh, sounds funny. Um, and it's still uh, more hectic uh, than these cities. Um, I mean, Germany, yeah, it's, it's like every country. You can't really pinpoint the country with one city. Berlin, obviously, is the representative uh, place because it's like the only real international city in Germany. Uh, Leipzig, where I'm, I live, is 600-something thousand people. So it's actually pretty small. Um for German standards, it's still one of the bigger-ish cities that culturally people know of and kind of like are interested in because there is a lot going on. But yeah, the infrastructure-wise, I mean, no 
building usually is higher than four or five stories. It's pretty wide streets, a lot of trees, actually pretty nice looking. Um, but yeah, German cities, I mean, I grew up in the north and it's different. It's a different mentality. The cities, uh, the northern cities, which are basically uh, used to be independent cities, like they were not part of um, any outside government because they had the harbors and kind of said, if you want to be part of this, we let us do our thing. Uh, I think that still is somehow in the mentality. You can tell that people are a bit more laid back and uh, just easy with things, uh, which I appreciate. So from my growing up there, I'm more associate with cities like Hamburg, um, which is like harbor cities, um, which is definitely like club and music and culture wise. For me, one of the more interesting cities, actually more interesting than Berlin also. And Satellite Records is from Hamburg also, for instance, um, even though most artists on the label are from the US, but um, is, that's where it originated from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, that's really cool. Um, they, I'm sure Germany doesn't eat brain like we tried in Chongqing <laughs> in our hot pot. Usually not, but that, but then that, that, that said, our grandparents definitely did. I mean, that used to be like a, a typical dish, like organs and innards, you ate that everywhere. But obviously, people don't embrace this anymore. Now, right now, people would be disgusted by it. Um, still, though, like when being in China, people like um, always kind of like felt people testing me food-wise, but being really polite about it, they they just looked at me sometimes whilst eating stuff. Like, oh, is he gonna be disgusted by this? And I wasn't. And then afterwards, they'd be like, "Do you know what this was?" And I was like, "No." They're like, "Okay, it was frog." I was like, oh, "Okay, I thought it was a tiny bird." Um, okay. Fair enough, but um, I'm pretty ruthless Ruthless food-wise. I was jokingly said, like, food is the reason I went on tour in China and the music was just a reason, uh, the, the means to do it. Uh, <laughs> it was great. Like, um, the brain was uh, particularly good, actually, in the hot pot. Kind of like egg. And it looks, it, it basically looks like, uh, yeah, like a fake rubber Halloween prop. <laughs> I mean. Yeah, you know what? I didn't think about that. That's a good way to describe it. Um, but yeah, it's delicious. There's a lot of different things that are delicious in hot mm. pot, like the tofu skin, uh, even just like tofu itself is really good yeah, in it. Yeah. Potato is the most hardcore, in my opinion, because it soaks up the hot pot uh, the most. Like meat and everything, like fatty, doesn't really absorb it. And the potato killed me. Uh, that was actually the only time that I kind of like had to chill for like a few seconds. Um, but yeah, the dog's blood is surprisingly good, which reminds me quite a lot of tofu and consistency um, as well. Yeah, it's a lot of really good stuff. Love the hot pot. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. Um, well, wrapping things up here, uh, so excited to see what you do next. Are you, you know, planning your 2021 out as of now or what are you working on now? So, yeah, the studio that I built is finished now. And um, now I'm going to go back to writing new stuff. Um, as I'm working on uh, doing more videos as well, I got the idea to start with a track that I'm actually going to write with a video in mind and kind of like make both things up at the same time uh, just to try things out and um, do this as like a single or whatever. And then I'm probably going to start working on a, another EP that I got um set up for Saturate for next year because the label is going to turn uh, 10 years old and there are plans for that and uh, I got a few of uh, collaboration plans um, currently uh, planning to do a collab uh, EP with uh, Pixelord from Moscow 
which is awesome because he's uh, such a good dude and uh, crazy legend. And yeah, a few other tracks with people that I, I look up to and I really like musically and personally. So yeah, just going, dropping back in my studio workflow is basically uh, what I'm going to start with. And then I think plans will develop quickly, but it was a good uh, reset for me so far in the pandemic. So looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, on SoundCloud, you can find me at soundcloud.com slash drank with a Q. And I've got everything else linked there pretty much. Um, so that's a good starting point. And you can listen to all my releases and download most of it for pay what you want uh, via Bandcamp link with this. So the music's out there. I want people to listen to it because basically, I guess making money from records is, is not the way to go in the future because it, it's... It, yeah, I <laughs> don't want to <laughs> dig too deep in the rabbit hole, but I mean, uh, for reasons people know, it's it's not going to get any easier. And hopefully shows will be back to to counterbalance that. Um, yeah. I mean, hey, that's a big reality. And I think this pandemic has definitely brought that to light to a lot of artists. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, just obviously looking at the sustainability in releasing music. I mean, obviously mm -hmm. there's a love for it and people do it for you know for for besides the money but obviously that's a huge something to think about i guess uh, yeah i think the money should obviously shouldn't be a first incentive um then having said that you have to have the time to actually make the art that you want to make so making money of it is definitely something you have to have your eye on um but yeah what i actually think is a good thing like um industry-wise coming from the pandemic is that it actually showed like it made the issues that were obviously apparent beforehand really really um prominent and people beforehand i had to like when talking about spotify for instance to other artists people felt really good about it actually and now <laughs> i see a shift and people actually become a bit more critical and realize that the gatekeeper uh mentality that they bring into the game uh, is something to uh, have your eye on and not just uh, ignore because uh, it's definitely not a platform like you mentioned with Bandcamp that, that acts in the interest of artists with Bandcamp, also something that the pandemic really showed. They are on the side of the artists and that's something like a, maybe just focus on the positive aspect of it. Uh, the way Bandcamp dealt with like the whole pandemic and political issues and all that was, I think, uh, really, really, a really good example on how to run a company uh, and how to be uh, an important instance in the music business right now, in my opinion. And they'll continue them throughout the, you know, for, throughout the rest of this year, at least. I'm not sure about 2021, but um, it's good but, to see that they really, really came to the support of the artists during this time, for sure. Yeah, it will definitely be something that um, people will, will not forget. And uh, I think Bandcamp is just going to, yeah, hopefully it will become a more important um, outlet, actually. I, I, in a perfect world, I would love uh, to see them on, on top of the game and not, on not streaming services. But um, we all know uh, how capitalism works. Um, being, being the good, good uh, people doesn't, doesn't make you competitive, very competitive. But. That's very true.
We're coming out of the interview with a track called We Need to Talk by none other than Drank himself. Uh, please follow Drank. He's super, super nice. That is D-R-A-N-Q on all of his social media platforms. Uh, really, really great stuff that he's putting out. And I can't wait to see what he's cooking up next. Uh, you know, this guy does it all. He, he reduces all of this on his own. He makes his own music videos, too. I mean, he's got the whole package. So definitely listen to his music and thank you so much for being so patient with me uh, on another episode <laughs> of club management you can follow us on all our social media platforms we're uh, at club underscore management on Instagram uh, and I'm working on Twitter and stuff but you know what I'm going to be quite honest I am trying to limit the amount of social media accounts that I need to control because there's a lot going on with me uh, so Instagram is probably the best way and Facebook is probably the best way to find us. I'll have all the information in the comments. We do have a Patreon. If you are interested in donating, please do at patreon.com slash club management one. Until next time, 